I personally, when I'm scrolling through, say, Instagram or TikTok, I never learn anything. Mm-hmm. I, I'll go through it and I'll be like, oh, that's cool. Or I'll see a meme and I'll laugh. And I think that social media might be able to bring awareness like, oh, cool. They came up with this new technology and it might be able to reverse some of the negative impact that that there has been caused in the past couple of years. But I think it's not going to solve it. You know, mm-hmm. I think that it's it's something that needs to be taught in schools on a national level. It's something that needs to be understood by every American. And I think that not even American, everybody in the world. Mm-hmm. And I think social media may be a good tool, but in the long run, I don't, I don't think it'll fully educate people, you know? Mm-hmm. Hello and welcome to Talk Ag to Me, the podcast dedicated to improving ag literacy around the globe. I'm your host, Brennan Black, and today's episode is all about the relationship between social media and agriculture. This is another episode of our mini-series we've been focusing on, talking about the relationship between agriculture and urbanization. And in this one, we're going to kind of talk about how social media may have played a role in just how agriculture and, and urban development have kind of strayed away from each other. So with me to talk about this topic is Matt, the host of the Demology podcast. I'm going to go ahead and let him introduce himself. So uh, go ahead, Matt. Hey, what up, guys? Uh, like he said, I'm Matt from Dumbology. I uh, new comedy podcast that kind of just lost launched in the past couple of weeks. Really excited to be here. And yeah, I, I, let's see how I do. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> So like, like, I was, like I was mentioning earlier, uh, this entire conversation is going to be mostly focused on social media, kind of where it came from, what it's been doing lately. Um, I, I'm sure as, as everyone who's listening to this knows, you know, it is one of the most, uh, one of the most powerful forces that's, that's you know, occurring in the world right now. Yeah. Um, and I kind of wanted to explore a little bit about the history of social media with agriculture. It's something that's kind of more recent, you know, agriculture really hasn't been in social media very long. So I wanted to talk about why that is and kind of what I think social media has, has done to the relationship between people and their food. And, and kind of, I want to hear your perspective on, on all that as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sweet. Um, so I think kind of the, the best place to start here is just, you know, to, to lay out what, what, you know, what my theory is, and then I'll, I'll have you tell me what you think about it. Yeah, of course. All right. So what I'm what I'm claiming here, what my proposal is, is that uh, as as we covered in, in former episodes uh, along this timeline, is that uh, in the early 1900s, uh, agriculture began to see a, a sudden shift away from from urban development. Um, as the industrial revolution began to set into place, as people began to adapt jobs that were off the farm, and as cities began to expand and sprawl. Um, as we got through both world wars and a lot of uh, a lot of industries started focusing a lot more on uh, mass production as opposed to looking at the the farming side of things, we just saw this this sudden shift in attention away from how food was produced and more into how technology and and product and products came to be. Um, as that developed over time, you know, obviously we went through several wars and and cultural changes and revolutions and all this sort of thing. And you know, fast forward to today. 
we're living in a society where people are very unaware of where their food comes from. I mean, in general, most people know it comes from a farm. There's actually uh, quite a few who, who don't even know that really. Um, <laughs> but even, you know, those who know it comes from a farm don't know exactly how it gets from the farm to the, to the restaurant, to the grocery store, to their place. You know, there, there's a lot of middle step process that kind of gets left out of the equation. And my theory has been that the, the reason that this has been happening is because for one, like, like I mentioned, there's been a cultural and societal shift over the course of the last century, but not just that there's also been within the past probably 10, 20 years, actually more than that now, because we're in 2021, it's, it's been probably about 30 years ish since the introduction of the internet and newer technologies like cell phones, um, social media, you know, like a lot of, a lot of newer technologies that kind of distract our attention away from the real world. We're seeing an even an even larger uh, schism between those two entities. So not only is agriculture being left out of the equation, it's you know being left out of education in social media. It's it's either talked about in kind of like the oh yeah it's a cute little hobby farm, or it's, it's being completely bashed by different organizations like you know some animal rights activists or or those who are are you know preaching different lifestyles or different dietary restrictions that sort of thing. That seems to be the only conversations that we're having today about agriculture, about food production, or about anything along that line of of lifestyle. So more recently we're beginning to see them when i say recently i mean like probably past three to five years we're beginning to see some level of reintroduction of agriculture into mainstream conversations but it's very small and it's it's growing but but not nearly at the rate that i think it's going to be to, to be able to, to to remain uh relevant it's going to take some time for us to get agriculture back into the equation and that's actually part of the reason why there's been a, a revolution of agricultural podcasts recently um like back back when i started my podcast three years ago there were absolutely no agricultural podcasts like there were a few, but they're mostly industry-based. They're by farmers for farmers kind of thing. There are very, very few. They're in, they're interested in actually trying to get the information to the public about what's going on on the farm and answering questions that they have about agriculture. I was actually one of the first. Um, now there's tons of them. I mean, like you know, probably over a hundred different podcasts, all dedicated to educating people about farmers, about the struggles they go through, about the technology that's being used in the industry, about their food, where it comes from, all of that stuff, which is great. But we're a little late to the game. You know, now our reputation has been a bit, you know, a bit harsh because of social media spreading information that's not entirely accurate, either in one way or the other, you know, bashing agriculture or trying to support it, but not spreading accurate uh, ways of, of representing that, that industry. And now we're starting to see the negative ramifications of it. So that's kind of my, my theory as it stands that social media initially really hurt agriculture because it was, you know, agriculture wasn't part of the the equation for so long. And now that we're finally getting in there, it's not quite enough just yet, but it can be the tool to kind of bring that relationship back together. So just off of that alone, what are your, what are your thoughts? Well, uh, for you and your listeners to know, I am extremely anti-establishment. Mm. So I think that there was a reason that there wasn't a microscope under where our food was coming from. Mm-hmm. Because these huge corporations, McDonald's, these food stores, Kellogg's, they don't want you to know where their food's coming from because then there's more regulation on it. There's more questions of what you're putting into my food, how you're making it last longer, and you lose money in that in the long run because you have to regulate your food. So I think that there was kind of a purposeful tactic in play there, especially on the capitalist side of it. So it, it, it's just we're okay with it not knowing where it comes from we're okay not knowing the middle part because it saves us money we can give you great c food and you'll pay us four bucks for it and no one asks where it came from mm. and i think i think 
social media like TikTok, which has billions of people on it, you're starting to see more. I see farm TikToks all the time because, mm-hmm. yeah, and I think they're hilarious because they're either just messing around on the farm or they're or they're showing you how it's done. And I think that's a good thing, but I don't think it's I don't think it's as paid attention to as much as it needs to be. If you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I have actually started a TikTok in and of myself for this podcast dedicated to kind of yep. mini lessons in different agricultural industries. Um, yep. I, I've, you know, made friends with other TikTokers who do something similar, you know, they, they're dairymen or they're beef ranchers or they're, you know, cotton growers or whatever. And they kind of focus on different aspects of their industry. Um, and like you, like you said, they, they have very good information, but it often gets overlooked because, oh, the cute cows or, oh, the, you know, that's a really cool looking plant, but they don't, not everyone synthesizes the information like, like they really should. And don't, don't get me wrong. There has been quite a bit of positive interaction in my comment section and with, you know, some of the other communities, but there's also quite a bit of it getting overlooked in the, in the parts where it matters, you know, like they'll understand the information on an, on a conceptual level, but once they begin to realize how that impacts their food, it, it seems to either go over their head or they, they ignore the information. Um, yeah. I think that to your point, you know, there, there is a certain level of, of, um, of companies that are trying to mitigate some of the, um, some of the information about that process because they fear that people aren't going to understand it or because they're not going to support it. And therefore it'll, it'll drive down prices. That's definitely, you know, a a part of it. I mean, there are even farmers who are concerned about that. They won't let people see their farms because they're worried they're just going to regulate them into the ground. Um, One of the challenges that we've been seeing though, in, and the opposite effect is that because people haven't been seeing farms, they've been voting on regulations that are actually hurting farmers because they don't realize what that's actually doing to the farm. And that's been a, a new approach from the agricultural education side of things is trying to make some of these regulations aware to people of, you know, if you're voting on this, this is what this is going to do. If, you know, if you vote on a regulation that's going to make it so farmers have to follow these certain criteria, that's going to make their operation a lot harder to manage. They're not going to be able to, to raise as many of this type of animal or as many of this type of crop, which is going to raise the price of your product, which is, you know, there, there's a whole chain of, of, of events that goes into it. And oftentimes those regulations are passed in terms of what those people consider either ethical or, or logical, you know, conclusions that are, are, that make the most sense to them. But when you actually kind of, you know, lay out the, the operation and, and why it's functioning the way it's functioning, if you start to throw regulations in there that cause you to completely restructure it, then you're starting to degrade the quality of which that product can be without, you know, a massive, basically redesign of the industry, which as, as sometimes is entirely necessary. I mean, Temple Grandin did a, a whole, you know, a whole string of work in the slaughterhouse industry that actually overall benefit of the industry and did cause a redesign of it, which was, is, it was overall a, a benefit, like I mentioned, but it does cause a certain level of concern for those who work in the industry because redesigning the industry means that they're not only going to lose money, but oftentimes smaller operations are going to go out of business because they can't keep up. Um, right. So there's a conversation that needs to be had about, you know, yes, it's understandable why, why we're keeping the information from people who you know, are consuming the product, but there's also conversation needs to be had about if we keep it from them for too long, they're going to start voting on things they don't understand that's going to hurt us in the long run. So you better be, you know, informing them on what's going on and why their decisions matter. Yeah, I actually completely agree. But I think that in the past couple of years, especially to my knowledge, as a person who doesn't follow this industry as, as closely and, someone who 
doesn't work in the industry. I think the things that I'm seeing are mostly negative. There's a lot of questions about sustainability with these farms and how we can change it so that it benefits us in the long run and there's no over harvesting or destroying of lands or pollution from cattle. And it's just how much of this information is false and how much is that conveyed through social media and how much of it is true and how much of it can benefit us in the long run. So I, I think it's a, it's a double-edged sword that we're talking about here, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I think that uh, the, <laughs> I, I again i'm just so anti-establishment i just don't think that the regulations will ever be beneficial to anybody in the smaller side of the industry congress is never going to pass a bill that will benefit small farmers but there are things that need to change about it you know mm -hmm. and and they're always going to push towards making it bigger and making it make more money and and produce more for less and it's just how much of that negatively impacts the earth and the industry and individuals, you know? Right. No, I, th I think you definitely have a solid point. And it's something that I, I have been kind of exploring over the past few years now, having that, that conversation about how to properly balance, you know, regulation with the conversation about, you know, conservation and, and, and overall environmental friendliness and still having a productive, you know, agricultural facility, because, you know, by the day, we're seeing countries that are beginning to become less and less capable of growing their own food, and they're relying more and more on imports, which is going to cause other countries to have to produce more. And we just, you know, population is going to keep going up until about yep. 2050, and then it's going to plateau and go back down. But until then, we have to keep producing food in some manner that's that's still sustainable, but also can keep up its, its productivity. And when we start to have conversations about you know, environmental friendliness in, in uh, relation to product, uh, productive level and productive quality, we begin to see some, some gray areas that are definitely difficult to, to discern. I mean, like you mentioned, the regulations, as regulations get passed, smaller operations are not going to be able to, to remain as viable for as long, which I think is, is kind of a shame because a lot of people who support agriculture support the smaller farmers. Yep. Well, you really can't pass regulations that are going to benefit the smaller farmers, as you mentioned, or if you, or if you do, it's really difficult to, to get them to, to work on a large scale. If you pass those regulations, you're hurting the small farmers, but if you want to support the, the small farmers, you need to be careful about the regulations. It's, it's no matter what, you're going to be hurting somebody in the process. But I think that the part that gets left, left out of the conversation, most of all, you know, and especially this is, this is in regards to social media and kind of education and those, and those overall conversations is that, we haven't been having proper conversations about what's been happening in agriculture for so long that people seem to have this uh, kind of corrupted idea of what a farm actually looks like today. I mean, people have this idea that agriculture is very, you know, uh, just one guy with his cornfield and his cow and he milks his cow every day by hand. And, you know, it's, it's very, um, it's very uh, what's that, like prehistoric almost in terms of, of agricultural technology. I mean, we have technology today that can convert the, um, the environmental damage that cows cause into an energy source and actually reduce it by such a degree that's never even been possible before. You know, we're, we're genetically engineering uh, crops. That way they reduce the amount of carbon in the air and put it back into the soil to try to rejuvenate its life. I mean, we're, we're developing technology and science that's so far advanced that a ton of, techno uh, of technology-based industries haven't even come across that yet. And not only that, we're finding sustainable methods of, of maintaining the, our relationship with the earth and also producing a high quality and high productivity product that is 
it's, it's, you know, it's kind of unbelievable how fast we've come along the, uh, this, this far, but because of our lack of agricultural literacy as a society and, as, and because we're leaving that out of the conversation in social media, that kind of stuff gets left out of the equation. So we regulate, you know, the industry until, until it's in the ground, but by doing those regulations, we're hurting the ability for us to, to experiment and find new technologies that are in the long run going to be more sustainable, more environmentally friendly, more productive, more, you know, higher quality, and it's just, it's, it's one of those things I think, and this is actually something I have a complaint about the agriculture industry that I, I think that we don't do a good enough job of telling people what we're working on and what's going in, what's going on behind the scenes. You know, like we're, we're working on all these, all, all these technologies, all these bio, you know, uh, biomechanics, all of this, you know, science that can in the long run help a lot of things, you know, the environment people are worried about the products to, to, to feed the world and high enough quality to make sure we don't all get sick and die. And we're not telling anybody about it. So everyone looks at us and says, oh, well, they're poisoning the earth. It's like, well, that's easy to assume. We don't realize why we're doing what we're doing when it's actually in the long run going to benefit everybody. And that at the end of the day, that, that's kind of the, the moral of the story is that the communication needs to be improved in some way. And I think social media is a good tool for that, but it might not be the only tool that we can use. I think I personally, when I'm scrolling through, say, Instagram or TikTok, I never learn anything. Mm-hmm. I, I'll go through it and I'm like, oh, that's cool. Or I'll see a meme and I'll laugh. And I think that social media might be able to bring awareness like, oh, cool. They came up with this new technology and it might be able to reverse some of the negative impact that, that there has been caused in the past couple of years. But I think it's not going to solve it, you know? I think that it's it's something that needs to be taught in schools on a national level. It's something that needs to be understood by every American. And I think that not even American, everybody in the world. Mm-hmm. And I think social media may be a good tool, but in the long run, I don't I don't think it'll fully educate people, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree with you. And that's something that I have been advocating for, for, uh, you know, for even longer than I've been doing the podcast is that we need to get agriculture more heavily integrated into, you know, public school systems. Um, it's something that is, you know, in rural areas is actually very common in school systems. You know, there's, there's a youth leadership organization called FFA that a lot of high schoolers partake in. That's, you know, it's very based on teaching them leadership skills, but it grounds it in agricultural lessons, you know, so kids understand how to speak, how to, how to, how to, conduct themselves in a job interview, how to network, how to do all these things, but they learn it by working on the farm and by com- you know committing themselves to agricultural industry uh, based activities that teach them about where their food comes from and how to teach others that information. Um, that, that kind of stuff could be largely effective on, on, you know, a massive scale if we just in- integrated it more deeply into our, our, you know, curriculum, but that's something that's, it's a lot harder to do on, on a short-term basis. So, I think that I think that probably the, the part where I misspoke is not necessarily that we need to be using social media as the tool to to fix this problem, but it might be a, a, the best place to start the conversation about how we get this more heavily integrated. Oh yeah, so yeah, for I sure yeah because I think that you know like like you said there aren't many people who who you know look to social media for their education actually. I shouldn't say that there are there are people who look to TikTok and YouTube for their for their education, which it can help, but there's a certain level of it that needs to be associated with the, the things that they're exposed to on a daily basis as well. Um, I think that 
you know, to your point that social media, while it doesn't serve as an educational tool, it can be, it can serve the opposite purpose. You know, I, I think that, you know, as, as I mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, social media for the longest time before agriculture decided to join the mix was doing a very active job of degrading the, the, the image of, of agriculture. You know, you had, uh, you know, and activist organizations that were focused on, you know, spreading information about agriculture that was untrue. And, you know, there's a certain level of it that had truth to it, but that doesn't mean that it's, that it's a true statement. There needed to be a conversation to have there. But since agriculturalists weren't on social media at that time, there was no conversation to be had. And all of a sudden there was a massive group of people who all of a sudden were anti-agriculture. Yeah. Um, I think that as we approach this new age of agriculture being part of social media and we approach a new age of people being interested in agriculture, at least, you know, at least um, superficially, you know, they, they like the idea of a sustainable farm and they like the idea of growing their own food and all that sort of thing. We're going to begin to see a lot more support for the idea of having agriculture more deeply intricate, you know, uh, intricated into education, but I think it's still kind of a long road ahead. So I'm focusing more on where do we start the conversation and how do we get the most people on board with this as possible before we start to do any kind of infrastructure rearrangement. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I think that is the, <laughs> I think that's really the only way you could do it in today's day and age. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you can put articles in newspapers and make Netflix specials till you're blue in the face. But I think that on a day-to-day -day basis, especially connecting with the younger generation that will talk about it. Hmm. Uh, TikTok. <laughs> TikTok. It, they, my little brother will talk about TikTok. So I'm like, how do you know about that? And I saw it on TikTok. Oh, okay. It's just, it's, it's, it is incredible the information that it can spread. Mm -hmm. And I think that it will, it will get people talking, but I think there's a fine line there where you you want something so desperately to be talked about well then you have run into the problem of it becoming a trend and right. then when it's a trend it's it's only going to matter for three months and then it, it fizzles and fades out and again we're back to square one mm -hmm. so there's yeah. uh, social media is kind of a pain mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it, it'll hurt it can hurt you just as much like yeah. It, it yeah it's just it's a very intricate thing and i think that in the past 20 years since the internet has has come around sorry my cat's climbing all over me <laughs> she really wants some loving um since it came around we we completely just put everything under a microscope and and change how we view things and it's just I, our attention span got a lot shorter mm -hmm. i yeah, guess is I what i'm trying to say yeah so I'm curious, what, what are your thoughts on, you know, as, as we're kind of talking about the, the introduction of social media here, you said it's been around for, you know, 20-ish years, you know, as, as social media has evolved, you know, I, I have my own thoughts on, on, on the matter of social media and, and its role it plays in education. Do you think that social media is something that not only is here to stay, but is going to become a more integral part of the way we absorb information and, and of the way we have conversations, or is it going to kind of morph into something else? Uh, it's kind of scary. Uh, <laughs> the, the path I see it going on because mm -hmm. I, I'm only 23. Mm -hmm. So I spent about half my life, not on the internet. And I spent the other half on the internet mm -hmm. and seeing my younger siblings who have spent their whole lives on the internet. It's, I don't see it becoming a positive thing at all. I think it's going to do nothing but devolve and 
change the way we consume entertainment and media. And there's just, I, I just, I don't think there's anything good that's going to come out of it yeah. <laughs> no, at I, all. <laughs> no, I, I think the, I think you have a solid point. I mean, I'm, I'm only a couple years younger than you. I'm 21 and you know, I, I went through a, a similar path. You know, I even grew up in, in a, a farm town where the internet was, was hardly even a, a relevant topic up until probably five, 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, and you know, we, we, since the introduction of internet in my small town, I mean, we had it growing up obviously, but like, not, not like today, um, whenever yeah. it got introduced now, now all of a sudden, every youth leadership organization, every small community, every 4-H club, every fair, every, you know, everything was on the internet. They had a Facebook page. They were having conversations with people around the world, which can be a very good thing depending on how you use it. You know? Yes. The internet. I, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, it's, I was just gonna, I was, I meant to say that I, I think it is a good tool. Sorry, mm-hmm. please continue. No, absolutely. I think that, you know, like, like you, like you just mentioned, the internet has the potential to be an incredibly beneficial, you know, thing, as long as we don't allow it to control us. You know, if, if you use the internet for what you need it for, instead of letting the internet use you, then it's a very good thing, but it depends, you know, how often does that actually happen? You know, how many people actually use it for something and then turn it off and go do something else? I mean, I taught myself how to work on cars entirely on YouTube. Mm. So I think that if there is an interest, there is, you can definitely get something beneficial out of it. But I just, I think that the way we consume things is just getting worse and worse and worse. And it's just, and, you know, in 10 years, we're going to watch three second videos every 20 hours and just lay there like we're in Wally. And I just, I, I just, <laughs> I, I don't see it becoming a positive thing, especially with the way that, that companies like Facebook and TikTok dominate how we consume media. Like it, every new musical artist comes out through TikTok. Mm-hmm. Every single f- platform you use on your phone is through Facebook. And you, you start to think, well, you're at the mercy of the agenda of these people. Mm-hmm. So it, these people don't say they don't care about agriculture. You're never going to see anything about agriculture. It's just you're putting the power in in a couple of people's hands. And I think that it's a, it's a negative thing. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's funny you bring up Wally. Actually, it, it's coming out after this this episode of Will. So anyone who's listening to this, you're getting a preview. But we actually just recorded an episode of, of about Wally um, a couple nice. years ago. So and you know it, it still relates to this topic of you know how agriculture is getting separated from society and how it's kind of you know getting absorbed into this this you know obsessive state where they forget about everything that's important and they just kind of focus on their own little reality. Yeah, look at this. Look at listen to this song. Look <laughs> at this girl dance. Just lay here. Who cares? Don't think. Exactly. Uh, can you tell yeah. I'm anti-establishment, dude? I got <laughs> just, a just a little hat on right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you also mentioned an interesting point in that you know. If, if a certain company does not support a certain, uh, you know, idea, you will, you will never see anything about it. Um, yeah, no. we actually did an episode about this a few months ago with, with actually a, a dairyman TikToker friend of mine. Um, anyone who's, who's listening knows, you know, it's, uh, it's Steven, you know, dairy muse, he's a fantastic TikToker. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a dairy blogger that's been doing it for about 10 years. Great dude. Um, but he actually, he had to come on an episode and rant because he had, he had, he was getting tons of videos taken down and he was getting his blog, you know, taken down and, and all of this stuff because and it wasn't, it wasn't even anything that he had done. 
um, it was because, you know, certain groups, Facebook, Google, you know, other, other groups along, along those lines were, uh, not supportive of agriculture. And so they were beginning to, um, you know, shut down certain things that he was posting and, and promote, you know, anti-agricultural, uh, content. That's literally censorship. Right. Exactly. Uh, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And that's why we're, you know, we're, we're doing such a big, you know, episode about it, talking about why this is happening and how this is a big issue and people need to be paying attention to it because, you know, we're doing our best to try to bring a mode of information to people about their food, about where it's coming from, about what's going into it. And they're saying, no, we're going to push this girl dancing instead. You don't need to have that. And they completely, like, it's one thing to get other videos, you know, more publicized than your own, but it's another thing to get your video taken down in, re, you know, in response to something that you posted that wasn't even controversial. Yeah. It, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And I just, it, it it's frustrating because there's nothing you can do. Right. <laughs> I'm still going to go on TikTok after this mm-hmm. and I'm going to watch Addison Ray dance because it's entertaining. <laughs> I, it's just, uh, it's, it's crazy how the society we live in has evolved because you up until maybe what 160 years ago, we, we're all farmers and then yep. the industrial revolution happens. And now I work in an office for whatever reason. And, and it's just, it's, it's crazy that there are certain people that tell you how to think and how to feel and what to think about. And it's just, uh. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you. I, I completely agree. I mean, and that's one of the, you know, that's one of the biggest reasons that I'm doing this in the first place is, you know, the like you mentioned you know 160 years ago everyone was a farmer or at least everyone knew a farmer you know even even 50 60 years ago everyone knew a farmer and that value has been lost you know less less than two percent of of americans are directly involved in food production you know like it's just we're we're so disconnected from it that it's not even part of the conversation and now us introducing it is not bringing people back to the idea of like, oh, we should probably be focusing on our food. It's more like, hey, look at the cute cows, which I don't yeah. think is, I don't think it's a bad thing that people, you know, have an appreciation for it in some regard. But the fact that they're not prioritizing the fact that this is literally their source of life is is concerning to me. You know, yeah. it's it's something that I think that you know we need to have kind of a a conversation about the prioritization we have of certain content over others. Well, you you would think that on a basic human instinct, you would want to know where your food comes from. Right. No, I would, I would think so. I'd hope so. Like you you want to, but but so many people go to McDonald's and they're like, all right, I'll put this questionable chicken in my body. Whatever. Right. Who cares where it came from? Who cares how it was manufactured? And uh, it's just uh, and and. Ah, all right. I'm going to start ranting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's, it's, you know, it's an interesting topic because when I started my podcast back in 2018, I started with the intention of, of, and like I mentioned earlier, I interviewed farmers for the first hour of, uh, or first hour for the first year of my podcast. And I had this great idea of like, oh yeah, I'm just going to interview all these farmers, get all this information out there. I'm going to address some of the most common misconceptions I see on Facebook or YouTube or whatever. And we're going to answer all these questions and it'll be great. Not like the only people who listened to it were, you know, family, friends, people who lived in my immediate area. That was about it. And I realized people don't look for information on that kind of stuff. 
And I started having conversations with people outside of my community. That's why I started finding like the Reddit communities and that sort of thing about two years into my project. And I, I, I began to realize people have an interest in it, but you have to go seek them out. You have to present the information right in front of them because it's not at the forefront of their mind. People don't wonder where their food comes from. If you tell them, they're like, oh, well, that's cool. I didn't know that. I'm glad I know that now, but it never even occurred to them beforehand. Yeah, that, I think it's a, a lot of the, the, the emphasis on instant gratification our society puts on. Mm. And I think that it also has to do with the type of work that has been devalued in the past, what, 30 years? Mm-hmm. Don't, don't go to trade school, go to college, work in an office, make Jeff Bezos rich. Right. Don't, don't work with your hands. Only stupid people work with their hands. Mm-hmm. And that, that's something somebody literally told me. And it's just the fact I, it almost feels like a smear campaign has been going on against this, this, this community and type of work that is so essential to our lives, to -hmm. keeping us alive. I'm going to die if I don't eat, but man, farmers are dumb, dude. That's so (laughs) that's, that's ridiculous. And, uh, uh, (laughs) no you're you're absolutely right i mean i i've literally had people in the past i i've you know told them about all the technology and all the science and and all the like the chemistry biology you know business management leadership environmental uh, you know management all the stuff that goes into agriculture and you know i've had people in the past that literally you know like you mentioned they they told me that they thought that farmers were just unintelligent that they you know they thought that they didn't go to college that they have never studied you know anything before they just kind of knew farming because that's what they grew up with you know, like, yeah, a lot of farmers inherit farms through their family, but a, a hefty portion of at least new generation farmers have been to college. They have studied all of the, all of the technology, all the new, new, uh, new growing methods, all the biology, chemistry, the environment, you know, they have to be able to predict the weather and, and, you know, and be mechanics and engineers and nurses and doctors and like all this different stuff all in one person. It's, it's, you know, anyone who, who has to work with their hands and that's, you know, not just farmers, but anyone in that, in that type of craft, you know, linemen, you know, pipe, uh, pipe workers, you know, plumbers, you know, all that kind of stuff. They're incredibly impressive because it takes a certain level of, of understanding that a lot of people who just work on a computer all day, just, they don't have to worry about, you know, cause it's yeah. not right in front of them. And I, I think to bring it back to the main point of the episode, I think you are correct in, showing the more in-depth and scientific side of it can kind of shine a brighter light on it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's just, I feel like there are forces working against it, you know, mm-hmm. that, that don't want it to be seen a certain way. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. And that's kind of the, you know, that's the central point of, of this whole conversation is that, you know, uh, uh, you know, us in agriculture, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of at a distinct spot in agriculture because I have one foot on the farm and one foot in the city kind of thing. You know, I, yeah. I grew up in a farm town, but I, I was, you know, I was raised, you know, in, in the city part of it. You know, I, I went to a public school where there were some farm kids, but a lot of city kids, you know, I, I literally am going to college in a, in a very large city. You know, it's, it's something that is, I'm, I'm kind of, I've got both ends in me, but I, I have respect for both. And I think there's a conversation to be had about both, but it's, it's one of those things that, you know, us that are involved in agriculture and are trying to speak for it, it's an uphill battle. You know, like, like you mentioned, there are definitely forces acting against the agricultural education sector of the internet, but we're trying everything we can, finding any approach we can to get that information out there for people to absorb and, and kind of play with. 
and it's just, you know, it's a constant, you know, it's a constant engagement. I'm trying to find new and creative ways to get it out there. And it's yeah. just, sometimes it doesn't work, you know, and, and, you know, then we got to scratch it off and go back to the drawing board. I mean, that's kind of what happens when you come to, to, to social media 10 years after it's already been going. It's just, yeah. it's, it's tough, you know? Yeah. And yeah. And it, it, yeah, I have nothing <laughs> to add to that at all. <laughs> There's no crazy conspiracy I could throw in there. guys. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, you know, it's one of those things. And I, you know, I, I don't mean to like, this, this is something that always kind of happens whenever I, whenever I get into kind of like a, um, not necessarily a rant, but kind of like a long monologue about that sort of thing. I always feel like I'm, I'm, prioritizing agriculture above anything else like this is what should, we should be talking about all the time you know it's not that agriculture it should be the one thing that everyone thinks about constantly but it's something that is it's so important that if we leave it out of the conversation long enough it's not going to be there anymore and for anyone who doesn't have agriculture you kind of can't live so it, it, it's you know it's important not because it's something i grew up with or it's not important because it's something that you know doesn't get talked about it's important because if we neglect it we're going to not continue to have it and if we don't have it we can't survive yeah yeah and i think uh it would be an interesting to st- statistic to do if you went to uh, an average american household and said said do you know who addison ray is <laughs> do you know how your food is brought to you right. and i would i would like to see that percentage <laughs> oh man. I mean, there, there actually have been statistics shown on, on that sort of thing. Not obviously not, not that exact question, but oh, it's I mean, gotta be Addison Ray, dude. I don't, <laughs> I don't want anything else. Well, I know that, I mean, this is a kind of an older statistic, but back in 2011, uh, there were surveys done in grocery stores asking people if they knew where their food came from, you know, kind of the, the origin of it before the, re- the, the store and about 72% of people said they didn't know. You know, they, yeah. they, they know they came from a farm. They didn't know that it was grown out of the ground. You know, they just kind of <laughs> thought that came from the back. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I, <laughs> I hate the society we live in. <laughs> yeah, it just it came from the shelf. What do you mean, man? Right. Where else did it come from? Well, you I mean, you know, this is you know, not to not to bash on on the customers, but like I, I work in a grocery store and I've had people, you know, the grocery store I work in we sell all of the, all, cause I, I go to an agricultural college. We sell yeah. all the food that we grow at the college, you know? And That's so cool. it, it's really cool. I, I love working there. And we have customers come in that fully understand that that's kind of our program. And they're like, oh, well, why don't you guys have, you know, grapes right now? It's like, well, cause it's not grape season or they're, <laughs> they're like, oh, do you have any more peaches in the back? Cause you know, we're out of peaches or whatever. And I'm like, yes, we specifically have peaches in the back that we're not bringing out. Cause we don't want you to have them. It's like, no, we, if we had peaches, we would be giving them to you, but they're not you know, we haven't harvested them yet. You know, there, there's a, there's a, a seasonal, you know, uh, uh, cycle that goes with this kind of stuff. It's not like Walmart where, you know, they, they import them from different countries so they can have them year round. We all, we grow this as it is ready. And yeah. a lot of people don't understand that. They think it's just food. Yeah. I, I actually, I dated a girl whose family uh, paid to to go to that kind of place and they they would go to a grocery store where not even a grocery store just a shed Mm. where they they sold you what was in season and what was grown and what was picked that day and i think that's really cool and i think that to your point would really educate on a smaller scale the community as to where their food comes from and show them the freshness of it and just how it works more but it's it, it seems like there was a barrier of entry because you had to make a certain amount of money live in the certain area and then pay to do it yeah and i think those kind of those kind of things are, are huge barriers of entry 
to learning about it you know right so yeah that's that, pretty cool though yeah no, that, it, man. It, it's a great <laughs> approach you know and it's, it's definitely a great um you know it, it's a great way to engage with the community and get you know get them interested like you mentioned it's you know obviously our produce is a bit more expensive than you would find in the grocery stores for the same reasons oh. that you brought up yeah, yeah of um, course <laughs> but you know it, we're, we're in a constant state of of trying to think outside of the box and find new ways to innovate, you know, that information. And, and like, you know, there, there's been projects, there's been attempts to, to grow, you know, farms, like small farms, obviously in urban areas like Chicago, you know, and, and like just yeah. like areas like that to try to bring some literacy, some, you know, some attention to, to agriculture on the, the urban scale as, as small as, you know, you know, or I guess, I guess as large as possible, which is, is, you know, pretty small in an urban area. Um, but like, there's been approaches to having, you know, inner city kids to, to have them work on the farm to try to get them away from some of like the, you know, the, um, the crime and some of the other issues that would be in their area. And also to bring them awareness of, of how their food is grown. And then they get to keep all the food that they harvest. Yeah. Well, I, uh, we have a lot of those. I'm, I'm from Philly. Oh, nice. So we have a lot of those around here, but you'll never catch me eating a Philadelphia <laughs> zucchini. <laughs> I don't, there's something in the air over there. I don't want anything to do with it. <laughs> but yeah, I think that smaller scale projects like that and combined with social media would, would really benefit it in the long run. And I don't think that this is something that can be solved overnight. I think that it's something that would have to impact, be impacted by infrastructure change and by constant information being given to you and constant involvement with it so it's it's kind of a i think that social media yes can be used but there's a lot more that goes into it than that you know yeah absolutely and i think it, you know you hit the nail right on the head with that one it's it's one of those things that if we can at least get the conversation going and then just kind of push until we get a little bit more and then a little bit more and then a little bit more eventually it, the ideal would be that we get some kind of infrastructure change that would you know, that would in, in turn lead to some kind of you know shifting the education system or shifting the you know something just it, it's gonna be a, a long fight but it, it's definitely a worthy one because if we don't do it then the the ramifications of not doing it are a lot worse than than the than the potential problems of, of working on it oh well, yeah uh, but again you have to a huge hurdle is a lot of people out of sight out of mind man who cares right. where it comes from <laughs> who i don't want to know <laughs> Right. Like, so it's it's just there's there's a lot. It's it's an uphill battle. There is. And there's actually been a, a new approach that's been kind of happening in my area. And I know there's other parts of the country where this has been in effect as well. But uh, there's been new approaches to try to bring agri agricultural education classes to like elementary middle schools, you know, try to get them started young. Yeah. And, you know, kind of having that, that mindset of like, you know, like small gardens for the school that they could work on, um, you know, and, and kind of having that, that very, very early relationship with the soil and with the plants and with the animals, try to get them an idea of, of, you know, every step of the food chain and how, how that food gets developed as they're learning about what even food is, you know, um, I think that we're experimenting with a lot of different things right now. And like you mentioned, it's, you know, there's not going to be a one size fits all solution for everything. And it's definitely not going to come, you know, tomorrow, but it, it's one of those things that if, you know, if we, if we want it to happen, then we need to keep talking about it. You know, if, if, if we kind of just let it, you know, let things run their course, like you mentioned, it's out of sight, out of mind, it's going to get forgotten. You know, we have to keep bringing it up, keep reminding people, keep telling them like, Hey, don't forget that we're working on this. And Hey, don't forget where your food comes from. And Hey, don't forget to, you know, this, that, and the other thing. I mean, the end of my episode, I always say, don't forget to thank a farmer. You know, it's a big part of, of the conversation is 
don't, and I'm not, I'm not saying that because I think that farmers are, you know, these like righteous beings that deserve to be thanked for everything they do, but it's, it's the idea of having appreciation for what your things come from and, and not just, you know, taking for granted what you have in your life. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a humbleness that comes with that and we do not emphasize that in our <laughs> society. So I, I completely agree though. I, you're you would thank anybody you would, you would think, I think trash guys, anytime yeah. I see him, I'm like, thanks dude. I don't want to do it. Thank you. And right. it's just, uh, <laughs> ah! <laughs> keep screaming. Yeah, no, I get it. But yeah, that nice. kind of, I mean, that kind of ends my monologue. I don't know if you have any more thoughts you wanted to express. Bro, no, I think I've made a fool of my enough myself <laughs> enough here. <laughs> No, I, I definitely, I mean, I appreciated your input. You definitely had some solid points and you kind of made me have to think through some things. Yeah. Well, coming from a complete layman and um, completely uneducated in it. I mean, I worked on a farm when I was 14 and I dated that girl. So <laughs> that is my level of expertise. And I live in the city. So, <laughs> hey, this this entire show is all about trying to get the conversations about agriculture excuse me, get the conversation about agriculture into layman's terms. I mean, getting yeah. layman on here is that that's exactly what I'm looking for. So you're well, perfect. Listen to me, dude it comes <laughs> from the farm goes into my mouth. That's all I care about. All right. And I'm part of the problem, baby. Hey, well, admitting it's half the battle, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I definitely, you know, I appreciate you taking the time to hop on here and kind of let me know your thoughts and, you know, let me know if you think I'm crazy or if I'm wasting my time or anything like that. Oh, but... no, dude, I'm the crazy one. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I, I think it was a lot of fun. You know, we had a had a good time here. Yeah. Um, you know, Thanks, like dude. I, yeah. Like I said, um, you're, you know, more than welcome to anything else you want you want to add on here if you haven't you know if we get out of the episode and you if you remember something you wanted to talk about then you're more than welcome to come on for a part two or some other yeah. topic of some some sort that'd be great i, I could bring more conspiracies to the table <laughs> the moon isn't real <laughs> um they're listening awesome. and yeah cool I love it i mean yeah <laughs> cool. so before we close out you want to just go ahead and remind everybody who you are and where they can find you yeah, yeah, I, I'm Matt from Dumbology. I'm the host and creator of the show, uh, D-U-M-B-O-L-O-G-Y, The Study of Being Dumb. Um, <laughs> it's just a comedy show where we kind of just mess around and talk about whatever things that are going on. We actually just released a, an episode where we did a deep dive in a, a hip-hop album, and it was actually a, a pretty good episode. We tried to do some intelligent conversation that didn't go so well. <laughs> so you could catch us on anywhere you get pl- uh, podcasts, uh, iTunes, Instagram, Spotify, TikTok, all the things I just said I hated for the past hour. <laughs> so thanks. Thanks again, man, for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. Well, thanks for coming on. And uh, yeah, I'll pull your links down in the description so everyone can check you out. Um, I yeah. actually just listened to your, your most recent episode, the hip hop one. It was definitely a lot of fun. Oh, uh, yeah. You yeah, did? I did. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of had an idea of what I was getting myself into. But um, oh, good. No, it, it was a good time. <laughs> yeah, so. we talked about Ronald Reagan having mud butt and uh, <laughs> a couple other things. <laughs> cool. Awesome. So yeah, I, I you know definitely appreciate you taking the time to top on here and, uh, and talk to me for for this time yeah dude thank you for having me yeah so thanks again for joining me matt thanks to all my listeners for tuning in and for always supporting the show i hope to catch all you guys next week and don't forget if you ate today thank a farmer <laughs>